Welcome everybody to the new norm. I'm Frank Caramano. Let's talk about what happened Sunday in Atlanta. And the way I'm going to discuss this now going forward, I'm just going to point out five things um, that I feel caused either our victory or our defeat. Unfortunately, we're going to be talking about a loss here. So five being the weakest, one being the main reason I feel we lost. Um, And, you know, when we do win, which will be this Sunday, it'll be, you know, the fifth reason as to why we won. And then the first being the best reason, the biggest reason as to why we won. So, you know, without further ado, let's just get into it. The fifth reason I felt we lost this week was Carson Wentz's first half performance. Now, after the game, this probably was going to be my number one reason as to why we lost. I thought Carson played very good in the second half. Um, but upon reviewing and watching the All-22, um, he has fallen down to five. And you'll know why when we climb up this list. But I thought Carson Wentz played a very reckless first half in regards to some of the throws he was making. I now understand why he was making some of those throws. He does have to be better. We do have to learn how to start games this ridiculous thing going on that we cannot score in the first quarter, this has to stop. This is now a two-year problem that we cannot figure out how to move the ball down the field and score in the first quarter. I mean, come on now. I understand that, you know, the game plan was scrapped almost instantly. And so, I mean, I, I can understand this game in terms of us having to figure out what we were going to do on the fly and maybe that coming with, you know, a little bit of a delay and how we were going to execute. But overall, the first quarter woes need to stop or we will not win football games. That is evident. I am tired of seeing this team have to play from behind. It shouldn't happen. Now this week, we understand the situation coming. I'm praying that these first quarter woes go away. We'll be at home. I mean, even in Washington, you saw the slow start, and people wanted to attribute that to nobody playing in the preseason. The The excuses are over. I don't care. Now we know who's playing this week. I mean, you know, knock on wood, nobody else gets hurt in a pregame. But the first quarter woes need to stop. So, yeah, it's Carson Wentz's first quarter or first half performance. It's essentially the same as our first quarter, you know, woes in terms of being able to not score. Um, moving up now. The fourth reason was Ronald Darby. And yes, I've heard all the slack that's went on Ronald Darby this week. Um, Pretty much how he's the worst player in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. First and foremost, Ronald Darby is the best corner on this team. He is a very, very good cornerback. The problem right now with Ronald Darby is nine months ago, he had ACL surgery. Ronald Darby is clearly just not fully there yet. He focused all offseason on getting healthy, not better. The man needs time. He's out there. Jim Schwartz understands that Ronald Darby is not Ronald Darby yet, and it's going to take some time. He needs to play. So I know a lot of people wanted Ronald Darby out of that game, and I and In fact, I would have completely understood if Ronald Darby was pulled from that game. He was being beaten over the top time after time again. But unfortunately, the situation 
had to call for Ronald Darby to get beat over the top over and over again because we need Ronald Darby to figure out how to, to figure out his health, to figure out his ability again. We need Ronald Darby on the field. So yes, unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit rocky here for the first few weeks. But when he finds it, Ronald Darby will resume the role of being the best cornerback on our team. Speaking of the other corners, I do want to give shout-outs to Rasul Douglas and to Sidney Jones. I thought they were both much improved this week. I thought Rasul especially, I thought he played a really good game. I know the play at the end there happened where the screen happened and Rasul, you know, was a little late making the tackle. That was a perfect play call by Matt Ryan. That was a great play by Julio Jones. Those guys are elite players. In the NFL, great offense sometimes does beat great defense. I do not blame Rasul Douglas, Avante Maddox. They drew up the right play against our defense and unfortunately it didn't go our way. But overall, I thought Rasul Douglas was much improved. Sidney Jones was much improved. I, I love the idea that we were blitzing more. I'm praying that that stays part of our arsenal on defense. I do not want to see that go away. I think Jim drew up some very creative blitzes this week. There were a lot of encouraging signs on the defensive end. I mean, we finally started forcing turnovers. Heck, Ronald Darby actually had an interception in this game. I know it was caused by Rodney McLeod on a great safety blitz, but you know, I just I saw some things at least from the midway point of that second quarter, second quarter forward that encouraged me that maybe the defense can turn this around, and I'm hoping it starts this week. Now, the third reason as to why we lost is Nelson Aguilar. You cannot drop that pass. Dropping that pass is just completely unacceptable. That's unacceptable on a high school level. An unbelievable throw from Carson Wentz. He knew the defense. He threw the ball right where it needed to be. And I don't care what the excuse was with the lights, whatever. And I know Nelson Aguilar himself has not made this excuse. But that needs to be caught. That is unacceptable. And again, I, I'm not of the belief that would have won the game. I know a lot of people wanted to latch on. Well, that would have won the football game. I mean, Atlanta still had three timeouts. There would have been about a minute 40 left on the clock. We would have still been just up a field goal. It would have been kind of the same situation that Atlanta just scored a touchdown in. But obviously, our chances of winning the football game increase heavily if Nelson Aguilar catches that ball and walks into the end zone like he would have. I do understand he made some good plays in the game. The, the, the fourth down... And 14 played like three plays later that he did make. That was a great catch. Um, I know he went for over 100 yards. But if Nelson Aguilar wants to be a big-time player, if Nelson Aguilar wants to be talked about with Deshaun and, and with Alshon on our team, Nelson Aguilar's got to start making those plays. That drop remind me, reminded me of 2016, the, the game in Seattle. He was wide open over the middle. He had beaten Richard Sherman on a great route. Wentz put the ball in his hands and he dropped it, like flat dropped it. He has these moments, and I don't understand why. He has every tool to be a very good receiver. We need these to go away and go away fast, especially now with Deshaun going to be out a couple weeks. I know they're saying Alshon Jeffrey is you know questionable to play here on Sunday. I know Doug didn't rule him out entirely. I'd be pretty surprised if he does play. But even if he does, we know he won't be 100%. So we're going to need Nelson Aguilar to step up. Moving forward, the second reason we lost 
to the Falcons. Injuries. Here we go again. Injuries. And it's not just injuries. It's the soft tissue injuries. I thought last year we were wrecked, beyond wrecked with injuries. You, you just didn't think it could ever, ever be that bad again. And here we are in week two, and we have three guys essentially be hurt in the pregame warm-ups. And not just any three guys, three guys that were absolutely crucial to the game plan we were going to institute to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Dallas Goddard was going to get a lot of run. He was a very big part of what we were going to do. We were going to mimic what the Minnesota Vikings had done to the Atlanta Falcons the week prior. A lot of 12 personnel, a lot of outside runs, uh, and to see that blown up before the game even started. And again, hence back or hearkening back to you know the first half woes. I can understand where we had to make a complete 180 and what we were going to do and as to why we maybe we did struggle to start this game. But my goodness with the injuries. And I know we overhauled the medical staff from last season. But last year, Darren Sproles had a hamstring where he was listed day-to-day and he didn't play for eight weeks. Dallas Goddard gets this calf injury game one of the preseason. He is out the remainder of the preseason. You are told that the calf strain has now healed. They liked where he was. And here it is, re-aggravated. What is going on? Why are our guys getting hurt at this incredible rate? I'm sorry, this is unacceptable. This is a very big issue with the training staff. Listen, I know Malik Jackson broke his foot. I know Timmy Jernigan broke his foot. Um... I, I completely, st- you cannot do anything about bone breaks. That's just bad luck. I know concussions. There's really nothing you can do. That's a, I mean, maybe a coaching technique if you're getting head-on-head contact or helmet-to-helmet contact. But, uh, I mean, really, you're, you're pulling for stuff when you look for that. That's just bad luck. That's part of football. But soft tissue injuries, that's on the training staff. They can help prevent soft tissue injuries. And, and again, it goes into diets. It goes into nutrition. It goes into anything that causes your muscles to spasm. I mean, it, this stuff needs to be corrected. They need to figure it out. Because I know they adjusted from last year. Well, it is not working. When we have three guys exit a game before it even starts, that's a problem. That's a very big problem. This is now three years where we're sitting here going, as a fan base, going, can we please just stay healthy? I mean, geez, if we stay healthy, we can win. How many teams, like, I understand that every team at the beginning of their season, they go, you know what, we need to stay healthy to win. We say it, though, here now, (laughs) as Eagles fans, we say it in almost in prayer. Please, can we just stay healthy? Because now it's a recurring theme. That we're going to lose multiple guys every single game. And it's a damn shame because if those guys stay healthy, I have no doubts. I mean, really, look at the score of the game anyway. We should, we, we should have won that football game with what we had to play with. If those guys are on the field, we beat Atlanta and we beat them up. We were much better than the Atlanta Falcons. This has to stop. Not just the injuries, but losing games and teams you're better than. And I know, I understand that people want to try to pull a moral victory out of what happened on Sunday. That shit's over. 
and excuse my language. But that's over. We're done with moral victories. I don't need to hear about moral victories anymore. We won the Super Bowl two years ago. Moral victories have hit the wayside. The main reason, the number one reason as to why we lost on Sunday, though, and I've been saving this, I've been saving this, Isaac Sia Malo. Two years ago, ironically week two, we played the Kansas City Chiefs, and Isaac Siamalo played the worst football game I have ever seen a professional football player play. For an interior lineman to allow four sacks, it's almost impossible. I, I just thought it was impossible that anybody could ever play a worse game than that game he played in Kansas City that day. I was wrong. I was wrong. He somehow topped that on Sunday. Now, I know he didn't give up four sacks, and that's because Carson Wentz saved his ass multiple times. He should have given up 10 sacks. Grady Jarrett looked like Reggie White... Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox all wrapped into one. Adrian Claiborne looked like those same three guys wrapped into one. Isaac Siamalu played the worst football game I have ever seen anybody play at any level. Pro Football Focus rated his game as the worst game an offense alignment has ever played. And again, I get it. Some people aren't into, you know, analytics, but my eyes told me he played the worst game I've ever seen. Analytically, he played the worst game they have ever seen. Common theme. And it, it's, it blows my mind. And that's why Carson Wentz, by the way, his performance in the first half was fifth. I had it higher. Then I saw the All-22. I saw what he had to deal with on a snap-by-snap -snap basis because our left guard could not block me. That's why he struggled. And that's why in football, people like to just leech onto the quarterback. But when you watch the actual film of what's going on and what has transpired to lead to the events that take place on the football field, you get a better understanding. Carson Wentz played a hell of a football game. And yes, he did struggle a little bit early on. Like I said, the game plan completely flipped, but the left guard was not blocking and it wasn't just for Carson Wentz, it was for Miles Sanders, it was for Jordan Howard. Our run game was getting beat up in the middle of the field every single play because the left guard couldn't hold a block. And if you don't believe me, you can go on my Twitter, FrankCC17. I have quote tweeted, Jimmy Kemsky put up um, a gif of 10 plays from that game where Isaac looked horrible. And again, that's just 10 plays. There were 50 others. He was god-awful. God-awful. And I know everybody wants to latch on or leech on to the fact that he is much improved oh, after that year when, you know, the, the week two in 2017, we won the Super Bowl. He played the worst game ever. He was benched. Remember, they, the next week against the Giants, it was Warmack, it was Wisniewski, and then all of a sudden they land on Wisniewski and we win the Super Bowl. 
And I know Jason Peters supposedly didn't like Stefan Wisniewski too much playing next to him, felt his knee injury he suffered was because Wisniewski did not help. Um, there was a miscommunication, I believe, with the block that occurred there, or he blocked him into him, whatever. So he was a big comp- uh, proponent of getting Isaac back on the field last season over Stefan Wisniewski. And Isaac Simalo did play better last year. He played really good in game one this year. But my thing is this. You, to me as a football player, are only as good as your worst game. I need to know what you can be relied on to do no matter what. At your very worst, what are you? And this guy isn't a college player at his very worst. He is horrible. He is the worst player in the NFL at his very worst. That's a problem. And that's a big problem. Because if this team's mission is to protect Carson Wentz at all costs, then Isaac Ciamalo needs to be benched. Do I have the solution? I mean, the common theme is people want Peters to move in the guard and have Dillard play left tackle. And I, I, I get the reasoning behind that because then you're getting your five best linemen on the field. The problem is Jason Peters has never played left guard. He's been a left tackle his entire career. And yes, Jason Peters is playing very well this season at left tackle. And he's been on the field for 99% of the plays this year. I know he had to come off for one play in that Atlanta game. But he's been reliable and he's playing very good. And I understand the move to move him inside. It will sure, absolutely it will sure up the left guard spot. Are you kidding me? You think Jason Peters, I, I don't care if he never played guard. He, he could play with one leg and never play as bad as Isaac Simalo played on Sunday. But again, it's... It's him learning a new position, a position he has no familiarity with. Would I talk to him about it? Absolutely. I would absolutely have that conversation with him. Jason Peters is an incredibly smart football player. If anybody could figure out how to play a new position uh, on a day's notice, it's Jason Peters. Now, do I think the team is going to do that? No. I think the team's going to roll with Isaac Ciamala, which, you know, Doug Peterson stated they are. I do believe they are going to watch him, and he is going to be on a leash. I, I know for a fact that, that that's how it was, because he wasn't. it wasn't a glowing endorsement of Isaac Ciamalo. I, I forget his exact quote that he gave today, but it was just essentially a standard, oh, yeah, he's going to play. Okay, but, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we're behind Isaac or anything. He knows how bad he played. He watched it. He watched the film I watched. In fact, he watched probably a million different views of the film I watched. He knows Isaac Ciamalo was the reason that that team was getting wrecked in the middle. We couldn't run the ball, and our quarterback almost got hurt. What do I think the team will do? I could see Halepoi Vitae being inserted for him. A guy who played pretty bad himself when he took over for Brandon Brooks um, in the Redskins game. I do think, however... Speaking of Brandon Brooks, unbelievable that guy is. And if he doesn't play, by the way, on Sunday, that the, none of those quarterback sneaks that Carson Wentz performs, they don't work. Because I watched an actual like snap on the touchdown that Wentz snuck in, and Isaac Ciamala was stood up. Do you know how hard it is to get stood up on a quarterback sneak for an offensive lineman? Here's a spoiler in case anybody doesn't know this. Um, the offense understands what the snap count is. So they, they know prior to the play on, uh, on what count Carson is going to s- call for the football from the center, whether it's on one, 
whether it's on two, whether he's going to hike it on 37. They know when he's going to hike the football. And Grady Jarrett threw Isaac Ciamalo into the backfield. He didn't know the snap. Only the offense did. So Carson did the smart thing, and he leaned towards Brandon Brooks, and Brooks had already blown his guy up because he is an elite offensive lineman, and he scored. And by the way, Brooks is doing this eight months after tearing his Achilles. It's almost impossible. Isaac Ciamalo is the reason that the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Atlanta Falcons. He's reason one, two, three, four, and five. The other four I listed were just arbitrary. It's really Isaac Ciamalo's fault. He was that bad. That bad. I, I wish everybody could just watch that all 22 and you could see what I'm seeing. He was that god awful. So I know we were talking and I had this thing each week. I'm going to give a freak of the week and the geek of the week for the best player and the worst player. Um, you probably won't have to think too long and hard about the worst, but for the freak of the week, I do want to give it to Carson Wentz. I thought he was incredible in the second half. He took an ass-kicking of an epic level. Did not. I, mean, I know he came out, but he only came out because, what was it? He was put in the concussion protocol right before we were about to resume and, and go back on the field, which blows my mind that he was sitting on the bench for five minutes, and then they finally decided to tap him on the shoulder. And he was being reviewed for a concussion. The guy was getting beat to hell that entire game, and he kept coming, and then he played probably one of the best fourth quarters of his entire career. A game that if you know if Zach Ertz runs that route the way he's supposed to run that route, we probably win. I mean, that should have been a fourth down conversion. He should have ended up winning that game. I, I, and again, I know after we had the big lucky Hail Mary type play to Aguilar that he missed on first down and he missed on third down. He had Ertz on and out and he overthrew him. But he did throw the ball where it needed to be throw, thrown on fourth down. It was just Zach Ertz did not right, run the route long enough. Things like this need to stop, and I know he's going to get better, and I have this whole feeling about Carson Wentz being unclutch. I've been a big proponent of that. I've said it. He's unclutch. I saw last year against Carolina what he did there. I, I've never seen it. just looked like he got nervous, which blows my mind that anybody at that level can get nervous. Anybody with that talent can get that nervous. He looked like he had gotten nervous, and then it looked like it became a problem. Tennessee couldn't close. Uh, you know, obviously Carolina couldn't close. The Dallas, you know, I know everybody wanted to leech onto the fact that he played good in the fourth quarter of the one at home, but he couldn't close. I think he's getting close. The fourth quarter of the game in Dallas last year, I thought Carson Wentz played incredible. It was that was the first time I said, you know what? Carson Wentz was clutch. And guess what? I thought Carson Wentz again was clutch on Sunday. And I feel once we finally, finally win one of these games that were these 50-50, you know, down-to-the-end games, once he gets one, I have a feeling this is going to have a snowball effect and he's just going to rattle these off. And remember, I'm saying Carson Wentz, like it's like football's a team sport. I, I hate the idea that quarterbacks get win-loss records. It's a team sport. I just told you guys the reason we lost was because of our left guard. If he blocks, we win that football game. Yes, I think Carson, and Carson Wentz bailed his ass out numerous times. He made some incredible plays with interior pressure. Usually interior pressure kills a quarterback. This guy was incredible, 
and I feel he's only going to get better. And if the left guard learns how to block anybody for more than one second, like I said, I still think he can win the MVP this season. Um, Geek of the Week is not just the Geek of the Week. He is not just the Geek of the Month. He is not the Geek of the Year. This guy is the Geek of a Lifetime. Isaac Sia Malu. Number 73 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Please learn how to play football again. These games cannot happen. This is a guy who it seems where if you gets punched in the mouth early, he just mentally quits. Because he mentally quit on Sunday. There's no other explanation other than he mentally quit. He couldn't handle it. He was not tough enough mentally. That can't happen anymore. The guy has shown glimpses that he can play high-level football. If his confidence is that shaky, though, how can we trust him? Because you can't. He's one of those guys now where it's like, oh, well, if he gets a bad play in the first quarter, he might just explode and have the worst game ever and cost us games. This Sunday, his leash is short. Short, short. And I know it is because they pulled him two years ago. So it doesn't tell me as if they won't do it again. Doug Peterson will not let Carson Wentz get wrecked. Get wrecked. Because Isaac Ciamalo needs to be on the field. Now, going around the NFL, um, you know, obviously the, the big news right now is, is Jalen Ramsey wanting out of Jacksonville. You know, I, I know they won on Thursday night, so I don't know how much still he wants out, but regardless, he wants out. And the big question is, should the Eagles trade for Jalen Ramsey? That's 100% yes. I don't get the idea that people are are caught up on, well, you have to pay him. Well, no kidding you have to pay him. He might be the best cornerback in the NFL. He is one of the premier players at that position. Well, you might have to give up two first-round picks. Well, cool. If your mission's to win the Super Bowl, you think those picks are going to be that high? What are we talking about here? This dude is an elite football player. If your concern is cash or draft uh, value that you have to give up for him, if it's cash and compensation, then it's not an issue. Now, if it's character, that's fine. If you're worried about him as, a, as somebody coming into the locker room. But I mean, I know he's outspoken. But I mean, you can't deny that when he's on the football field, Jalen Ramsey plays at an extremely high level. He doesn't quit on the football field. I understand he's outspoken sometimes, and again, I, I would like to see, and I hope for him that, you know, it's just frustration, because it very well could be. The guy wants to win. That was his main objective. That's what I heard from him. I, I, I'm not a fan of guys demanding trades or anything like that, but you know what? If this guy's available, and Jacksonville has said he is available, if they want two first-round picks, it's two first-round picks, easy. If they want a first, a third, and Sidney Jones, like Peter King reported, that's easy. We're doing it. Now, again, I'm not just doing it unless I'm able to talk to Jalen Ramsey and we're able to negotiate his contract. Because you're not giving up two first-round picks for a rental. That I agree with. That I would not do. 
But if it's two first-round picks, we could talk to the player and set a contract. That trade's done yesterday. I understand it seems steep, but Jalen Ramsey is an elite, elite football player. He makes our team infinitely better. We've been searching for a cornerback for a decade. Ever since Asante Samuel left, we've been searching to replace him. I mean, 20 years ago, you know, you go from Vincent and Taylor to, to Shepard and Brown, and then to Asante Samuel, and we tried with Namdi Asuma, and, and that obviously didn't work. We were a zone football team. We got a man corner. We never really coached to his strengths. And by the time we figured out to try to run him with man, it looked like he had lost a step and he was out of the NFL shortly after that anyway. Um, so it doesn't show me that it does show me that the Eagles are aware of the idea of trying to get a corner. But this guy's 24 years old. He is about to enter his prime. If you can get Jalen Ramsey, you trade for Jalen Ramsey yesterday. I don't believe this is even debatable. Um, going around the NFL in terms of other teams, um, shame seeing people get hurt. You hate to see it. Um, ben Roethlisberger getting hurt. Um, you know, Drew Brees getting hurt. I, hey, what did I just talk about with injuries? Injuries absolutely suck. It just sucks. I, I'm not a... By any means, a Saints guy. I absolutely hate everything about the New Orleans Saints. But, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Um, fortunately for them, they play in a trash division. An absolutely trash division. So if Bridgewater could just somehow hold water for them, they'll still make the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, I don't really buy the Browns as much. But I do have to say, I do think that um, Baltimore's for real. Baltimore's a very good team. Um, I don't understand the reasoning that they gave up a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, I get it that their defense is terrible. So fixing the defense is a priority. Clearly, they've been spending first-round pick after first-round pick on defensive players. Um, but, you know, you don't... I mean, I know Mason Rudolph, he did look all right in that first game that he got into, but, um, man, who knows? It's a very big risk, but clearly they have faith, and, you know, I'm a Roethlisberger fan as a player. I think he's really good. I think he's an elite quarterback. He's been elite for a long time, very underappreciated, and it's a shame to see him go out. And, again, I hope he gets healthy so he can play next year. Um, it'd be a damn shame for his career to end in, in this fashion, being hurt. Um, looking in our division, speaking of quarterbacks, hitting the bench, you know, Daniel Jones finally playing. I mean, I, I don't get why it even took this long. It, it was, I think the move was once they picked Jones was make him the quarterback. Because, I mean, you were going to bench Eli Manning no matter what at some point in the season. So for, you know, I... Guy won you two Super Bowls. I may not be the biggest fan of Eli Manning, and I know he hasn't played really good football in a long time, but, you know, it's just to make it awkward and embarrassing in a way, I, I, I felt they kind of did Eli a little dirty there. I mean, but Jones was going to play, and I, I think they should have started him from the beginning. Um, took him two weeks to finally figure it out. I mean, you pick the guy six, you might as well see what you got. Um, Dallas clearly looks the part. They should look the part, though. I mean, you played New York and you played Washington. 
I mean, I've already put them in a three and zero. I mean, they're playing a team that is borderline an NFL team anyway in Miami this week. And then they play New Orleans, and you know, like I said, with Breeze out, Breeze is a game changer. If they cannot beat the New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees playing, then this whole idea of them trying to win a Super Bowl this year, that to me goes out the window. Do I think they will? I actually think they are going to be 4-0. That's why this game this week for the Eagles is so important. Dallas is going to run this thing up to 4-0 in two weeks. I don't see them losing to Miami, and I don't see them losing to New Orleans. So we have to play Detroit, and then you're playing Green Bay on a Thursday night. You cannot spot teams in the NFL football games. There's only 16 games. If you're 2-2 two two or, or, God forbid, you're 1-3, that hole is almost impossible to climb out of. I don't care if you play Dallas twice. I don't care what's going on. It's almost impossible to climb out of a three-game hole in the NFL. There's only 16 games. This is incredibly important. Now, how do we beat Detroit? Going back to, you know, the Eagles here, how did the Eagles beat the Detroit Lions? Well, one, you pressure Matt Stafford. And I know people think, oh, well, clearly if a quarterback is in the pocket, no, he has got no pressure, he's better than when he is pressured. Well, for Matt Stafford, it's like incredibly different. He is almost an elite player when you let him sit in the pocket. But when you can move him off his spot, he becomes a very bad player. That's got to be the game plan. The game plan should be to bring heat on him just like you did in Atlanta. And again, I'm not going to be a guy who sits here and advocates every week to just blitz, 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 blitz. I mean, I do love blitzing. Jim Johnson was fantastic at it. I mean, he's the greatest defensive coordinator, in my opinion, of all time. But, I mean, I get what Jim's philosophies are. And here's the thing. I think right now we do have to blitz more while Fletcher Cox heals. Fletcher Cox is not Fletcher Cox yet. He's going to get there, but the guy is coming off off-season surgery. He's just not there yet. So instead of exposing, we need to help him. We need to help that defensive line. Barnett did not play in the preseason. He was getting healthy. Cox, clearly, like I just said, coming off an injury. Uh, and now, especially with Malik Jackson out, you know, Timmy Jernigan out. We we have Hassan Ridgeway and Akeem Spence at defensive tackle. We're going to be moving Brandon Graham inside a lot. Vinnie Curry's going to have to play. Josh Sweat, who's playing good. I mean, Deshaun Hall, who I expect to be active now going forward. Help the defensive line. Bring heat. Help your secondary bring heat. I understand that it does open up for big plays like what happened in Atlanta on Sunday, but if we're going to compete and we're going to win, that's the way to do it, and it's especially the way to do it this week with a quarterback who has shown everybody that when you get pressure on him, he tends to turn the ball over. The Lions have a lot of talent. I know people don't think they're going to be very good. They have a lot of talent. Kenny Galladay is very good. Marvin Jones is good. Danny Amendola is solid. Hawkinson, the, the the tight end they just picked, he looks like he's going to be really good. Carrion Johnson is very good. I mean, they have a lot of talent on offense. They have a lot of talent on defense. They're a good team. They play in a hard division. And the reason they lose games is because it looks like their coordinator, Darren Bevel, doesn't just, he, he's not an air raid guy. That's probably what they should be is just an air raid offense. But they like to play this like ground and pound, West Coast, slow down offense. So, I mean, a lot of their issues come from just coaching. I don't feel the coaching coaches to the player strengths. It coaches to the coaches' strengths. Um, 
Uh, but again, if they do go air raid, yeah, that could be a big problem for the Eagles. If the, if we do not get pressure on Matt Stafford, he's going to have a field day with us. He's beaten the Eagles numerous times before. For some reason, we have struggled playing the Detroit Lions. I mean, the last time we beat them was the, the snowball. And it took four, five, eight inches, ten inches of snow for us to beat him. Thanksgiving in 2014, I, I, I remember we got smoked by Detroit. Carson Wentz's first year, we got beat by Detroit. We were 3-0. We lost that game in Detroit. They've played the Eagles really well. We need to change the script. I think the game plan defensively from what we did in Atlanta helps us beat the Detroit Lions. Offensively, I don't know what we're even going to have. If Jeffrey and Goddard play, yes, obviously that increases our chances to win. But if it's going to be Arthago Whiteside and it's going to be Matt Collins on the outside and it's going to be you know Nelson Aguilar in the slot, clearly we're going to have to announce a wide receiver. Um, we're going to have to bring up Greg Ward because they're, they're not signing a receiver. They're going to bring Greg Ward up from the practice squad. You cannot go into this game with three healthy wide receivers. That's just impossible. God forbid somebody gets hurt. Now you're absolutely out of options. So my, my belief is they're going to test Jeffrey in the walkthrough tomorrow. If Jeffrey's good to go, then yeah, Jeffrey's going to be good to go. But even that's a risk. You know that he's playing hurt. I, I'm shocked they did not add Greg Ward to this team already. I mean, that's the clear and obvious move. But regardless, at least here, hopefully, you know, we, we won't have to deal with the pregame injuries again. We kind of know what we got. Hopefully our line could take this game over. I feel that you could run the ball on the Detroit Lions. And I know people want to give up on Miles Sanders. They think he, you know, he's playing bad. He, you know, he's bouncing the ball too much. He's doing, listen, Miles Sanders is our most talented running back, and it's not close. You're going to quit on this kid because he played a bad football game? He's a rookie. That's what you're going to get. And I understand the notion. I hear the notion that, you know, look at how good Kareem Hunt was. Look at how good Alvin Kamara was, Saquon Barkley. I mean, if he's not there, he's not their level. Well, we don't know if he's their level. Played, he played a bad game on Sunday. It happens. He, But you learn from those mistakes. That's the thing. I mean, I'm not going to quit on the guy because he played a bad football game. And here's the other thing. You have Jordan Howard, too. Jordan Howard can play. Jordan Howard is a bull. Beat the Lions up. Run the football. Remember, when we lost to the Chiefs two years ago after Ciamala played that horrible football game, the offensive line begged Doug to run the football. LeGarrette Blunt had no carries in that game against the Chiefs. It was the Darren Sproles show. And then the next week, we actively ran the football. I think for like over 170 yards. Remember last year, we lost week two again. What did we do the next week? We ran the football for over 140 yards against the Indianapolis Colts, who ended up being a pretty damn good defense. This week again, same theme. At home, run the football. Establish the offensive line. Help build confidence, especially for uh, the left guard who needs it. And then I think Carson Wentz could absolutely take apart their secondary. I know Darius Slay is a very good player. He's not playing, I guess, like from the reports I've, I'm hearing, maybe not to the level he's played the last couple of years. Um, I don't know how true that could be. It's only two games in. That guy's a very good corner. He's an elite player. So, I mean, again, I don't know if he'll match up on Ortega Whiteside, Hollins, who it'll be, but I actually anticipate J.J. Ortega Whiteside to have a very good game. I know last week it, it didn't go as well for him. I think he had one catch only. Um, 
but you know, JJ wasn't expecting to play. Not th- not to that much, or not to that extent. Neither was Matt Collins. I mean, there's no way they could have foresaw that the two starting wideouts um, would both get hurt in pregame. This week, they're ready. They're absolutely ready to play. I think Carson and, and JJ hopefully have, have worked on some of the issues they had or the communication issues they had during that game. But I expect a better performance. I actually expect JJ Ortega Whiteside to score a touchdown this week. I could just feel that coming. I think he's going to have a very good football game. I expect a good game from Ertz. Um, Aguilar, I think, is going to be a, a very key um, key component to what we do offensively. And again, like I said, a lot of eyes on Nelson Aguilar. We need him. Step up. You want to be elite? Be elite. I think the Eagles will win this game. I mean, this uh, what's the line? Six and a half? I mean, I, Vegas is usually pretty good at these things. Um, Detroit's not... Detroit's not a bad football team at all. But I, I I think we figure out a way to win, especially since it's at home. I know they've had our number. I think it's time we return the favor. I think we end up winning the game. I think they cover. I actually think the Eagles are going to cover the football game. I know a lot of people are probably hot shot in the Lions, and I, I understand why. You know, you don't know what we're presenting at wide receiver. We're obviously banged up in the middle of our defensive line. Our secondary looks god-awful right now. But... I, I think we're starting to recognize maybe who we are and what we can do. And I think Carson Wentz is going to have a very big game. I can just feel it. This is a game where we need Carson Wentz to put it on his back on offense. If the left guard can block, he'll have the opportunity to do so. And I have faith he does. Um, so fingers crossed. Here's hoping we win. Um, thank everybody. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed my little rant. And I hope we enjoy what happens on Sunday. And regardless, I'll be back sometime next week to just talk about it again, probably a little earlier, considering the Eagles play on Thursday. Um, But again, I want to thank everybody for listening. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. 